Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Action Network Podcast. 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 If you are even remotely a savage, you'll run these people over in a second. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Joining you today for your UFC betting preview, UFC Kansas City. Coming to you this weekend from T-Mobile Center. Brendan Glasheen, your host with our MMA UFC analyst, Sean Zarello, Billy Ward. Looking at our favorite underdogs, props, more, finishing up with best bets. As we normally do, gents, we start the show with the main event, Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. Your featured fight, Holloway minus 188 on the money line over at FanDuel. Arnold Allen at plus 152. Uh, Allen has been uh, pretty excellent since landing in UFC. 10 consecutive wins to climb into contention. And then you've got uh, Holloway here at uh, at minus 188 as a favorite who has impressed and has been steady, Eddie. Zarillo, what do we make of the fight and how do we want to bet this one? I had a difficult time for a bit figuring out how I wanted to bet this fight. I ultimately settled on a same game parlay with Holloway in the over one and a half rounds. It's currently down at minus 105. I would also look to bet Holloway live after the second and third round. That's a very similar approach to how I took betting Calvin Cater against Arnold Allen. Cater ended up getting hurt. We didn't see that fight play out fully. But the reason I'm taking this angle Allen hasn't actually been past the third round of a fight. That fight with Cater was supposed to be his first career five-round fight. We were going to finally see how his cardio lasted over a five-round fight, whether he was able to maintain a pace over the course beyond 15 minutes. And we know that those are Max Holloway's greatest strengths, putting a pace on opponents, fighting for 25 minutes, racking up a ton of significant strikes, the UFC record number of significant strikes in some of his bouts. Some red flags on the hallway side, three straight losses to Volkanovsky. Who knows where he's at mentally at this stage of his career? Also getting older. We've seen him take a year layoff since that fight. But he's a guy who stops sparring, and I think that's really smart just to, you know, all the damage that he's taken throughout his career. Billy could speak to it better than I can. But I would imagine not taking that damage and sparring is going to help elongate his career, especially for a guy who's as good of a boxer as he is. It's not like... Those are skills that he needs to continue to refine. He does a lot of shadow boxing and stuff to keep in shape and keep his hands good, but not going to be taking the damage in training, never been knocked down in the UFC. Those are all positive signs for a guy who is as durable as they come. It's not like his chin is probably going to suddenly crack, even though he's been through all these wars. So Max Holloway, I think, can continue to be a durable guy over the course of 25 minutes, continue to pace his opponents, and he's going to be the first guy, presumably, who's going to test Arnold Allen in deep water. So Holloway, better live price after the first round, second round, maybe the third round too. That's where I'd like to target him. I think Allen's going to be extremely competitive. He's a very good fighter. I think this is going to be a very good fight. 
for the first 10 or 15 minutes. And I think Max Holloway is eventually going to pull away, maybe stop him in the fourth or fifth rounds around four, round five at 19 to one call it my eye as well, but the same game parlay over one and a half at minus one Oh five, my favorite way to play it. Seven losses for Holloway and UFC six have been against current or former champs as Zarolo mentioned uh, Volkanovsky uh, three times. Billy Ward, as a reminder, folks, up on the uh, Action Network app, actionnetwork.com. He does have luck ratings for each UFC fight. So that's where you can find Billy's luck ratings. He now joins us by phone for this week's pod. Billy, would you like to explain yourself as to why you're joining us by phone this week? Yeah, you know, last night hanging outside in the backyard with the dog, and he decided he needed to chew through the internet cable running into the house. So trying to get there via phone hotspot wasn't quite doing it, but we're back. Sounds kind of made up, but I think I believe you. Please weigh in on Holloway Allen. And you do think this is a fairly valued fight based on your article. Why? Yeah, this is really hard. This is actually my least favorite kind of fight to handicap where we have a younger fighter who's looked awesome against lower level competition, taking on, you know, a veteran who has some losses, but they're all to the best of the best. You know, as you guys pointed out, Six of seven Holloway losses were against champs or former champs. Three of those were to Volkanovski, two to Dustin Poirier. So we've never seen someone, you know, lesser beat him before. But we've also never seen Allen really lose a fight in the UFC. It's tough. The one step-up fight he was supposed to have against Calvin Cater was cut short due to a Cater freak injury. So, you know, I agree with a lot of Sean's analysis. I do worry a little bit about all the damage Holloway's taken over his career. I think, you know, not sparring as much and not taking the damage now stops that from progressing further. I don't know how much your brain really heals or comes back after that kind of thing. You know, he had a pretty famous sports center interview where he was kind of out of it and seemed to have some concussion symptoms. I don't know how much that ever comes back. So with that said, very tough fight for me to handicap, but you can get over plus 150 on one side of it. This is like a half unit bet for me on Arnold Allen, but when I feel like something's almost a coin flip or really hard to pick, I want to be on the side of the coin that pays out more than the other. Zerillo, Billy sounds super legit through the phone. It's an extra layer of expertise when you get that that radio expert calling yes. in. All right. Well, we'll stop kick. We'll stop pumping his tires now and we'll move on with the pod. I just couldn't help myself. Favorite underdog for UFC Kansas City, Zerillo. Pierre Rodriguez plus 115. I think it's a pretty similar dynamic in terms of the matchup to the Rosas Rodriguez fight last week that Billy and I discussed in that. Robertson needs takedowns to win this fight. She's not going to inflict a lot of damage on the ground, going to search for submissions and at a clear striking disadvantage. So even if she gets takedowns, if she's not able to finish the fight with the submission in the one or two minutes that Rodriguez is on the feet in each round, because each round does start on the feet, she may be able to win those rounds just by landing a few strikes and inflicting more damage. So the three facets of MMA, Robertson clearly the better grappler, Rodriguez clearly the better striker. I'm not sure that Robertson is clearly the better wrestler. So it does come down to the wrestling, whether Robertson is able to take her down, whether she's able to keep her down, has amongst the most submission wins in women's UFC history. But I think Rodriguez, just in terms of her ability to win minutes in limited time with the striking with the damage, and then also just win the striking or finish Robertson in general, Rodriguez at plus 115. My favorite dog bet, I think this should be a pick Billy, lines are tight this week. Not not a ton of like overwhelming underdogs on the card, prelims or main card. What do you like for the in the underdog market? Yeah, I actually like a lot of the you know shorter underdog lines this week. For anyone listening, I'm going a little bit smaller with my bet sizing here just because I'm on so much plus money. But I really like Pedro Munoz at plus one seventy six. 
it's honestly in a weird way a similar dynamic to the main event where Munoz losses have come against very high level competition. Chris Gutierrez has looked very good in the UFC, but he's got some split decisions, he's got some draws, and it's all against lower lower competition. What swung me over to Munoz is that he was actually winning the first round of his last fight against Sean O'Malley before O'Malley poked him in the eye. It was either two or three of the judges all had it for Munoz at that point when it was stopped. And kind of just going back to what I said about this being what feels like a coin flip on whether the younger guy really is that level or, you know, is going to be knocked back down when he steps up. If I can get plus money on either side of it, I'm definitely going to take that. So Munoz at plus 176 against Chris Gutierrez. Really like Chris Gutierrez as a prospect, but this just might be too big of a step up until he proves it to me. Co-main event uh, at UFC Kansas City, Edson Barbosa, Billy Quarantillo. And Quarantillo was actually uh, on record saying that this is his toughest opponent ever. Very uh, cliche, but he is in a spot this week where he is, uh, Quarantillo is minus 188. He's a favorite over at FanDuel, Barbosa at plus 152. Zarillo, I'll go to uh, our, our guest via the, uh, the the hotline first because uh, you've got Barbosa, the dog, undervalued. What do you got? Yeah, and, you know, I hate picking against a fellow grown man who still goes by Billy rather than Bill or Will or whatever more adult version is out there. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to do it here. You know, Quarantillo, it's kind of another fight where he's fought lesser competition, has some good luck in terms of split decisions here. But if you just look at the guys he wins, he beat three straight guys who have all been cut from the UFC. And then his two more recent wins are guys who are roughly 500 in the UFC, where Barboza's been fighting just a much higher level of competition for a really long time. And I'm going to get into a little MMA math here, which I don't love doing, but do more than I probably should. They both fought Shane Burgos in 2021. Barboza knocked Burgos out. Quarantillo lost to him. Now, Quarantillo is the younger fighter, but only by three years. He's still 34. So with a fight that recent, I think it's really hard to say that Quarantillo has gotten so much better or Barboza has gotten so much worse in that time frame, just because they are so close in age. It's not like Billy Q is a prospect here. And then when we can get the plus money and, you know, the 150 range on Edson, that's just too good to pass up. I know Sean's on the same side. He's probably going to get a little more technical fight analysis on it, but that's how I'm seeing it. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Quarantillo, 5-2 and two in UFC, the schedule a bit weaker when you compare him to Barbosa. That's what Billy's got written up as well. Zarillo, how do you want to bet uh, this one? So the first round, I think, is going to be pretty heavily Barbosa. I think he wins the first round at a very high clip. Billy Q, very hittable. Barbosa, 5-inch reach advantage, the much more technical striker. Maybe Billy's a bit faster, but that reach advantage is too much to negate any sort of speed differential. And in the Shane Burgos fight, Burgos chopped Billy Q's leg, lead leg to absolute bits. That is what Barbosa does to a T. So he might take off Billy's 
lead leg in the first round, sap his power completely. And from there, it would be very difficult for Billy to recover in the fight, even though his best strength is fighting through adversity and pacing opponents in the second and third round after he has basically played rope-a-dope for a round with them. If you want peak price on Billy Quarantillo, I would not bet him as a favorite pre-fight. I would look to bet him live after round one. But I think Barbosa is certainly the pre-fight side. Made him closer to plus 120. I do have some concerns about the durability. I know Billy talked about the age factor. I don't think they're at the age, like Billy said, where Billy Q is going to make significant improvements. But Barbosa is at an age where his durability could fall off rather dramatically. Knocked out by Giga Chakads. Was starting to come on in that fight until he got knocked out. But he's 37, may just get clipped and fall over. It happens at this stage of the careers for guys. I think he is the better fighter. The age dynamic scares me off a bit, which is why I'm not as heavy on it. We'll talk about this fight a bit more in a different section. But Edson Barbosa, I think the clear money line side at plus 150. And I might look at his inside the distance props as well. Okay, more on that coming up. Let's go to uh, the prop market. Zarella, we'll start with you. Your favorite prop on the board for UFC Kansas City. Billy talked about the Pedro Munoz fight. I bet Pedro Munoz by decision against Sean O'Malley, and he had won the first round. And I'm not sure if he was going to win the fight. It just seemed like O'Malley was coming on in, in the second round. He moved for the eye poke, starting to find his range. But this fight against Chris Gutierrez is minus 200 to reach a decision. So you're telling me a fight is extremely likely to reach a decision. Both of the fighters are going to be competitive in that case. And one is plus 150 by decision. The other is plus 400. So Pedro Munoz by decision at plus 400 projected this at plus 325. I also like Billy see value in his money line side. He's probably the likelier finisher in the fight, which is why there is the differential in the decision odds discrepancy. He hits really hard. He has the better submission grappling, even though he never searches for takedowns. And I think Gutierrez has the speed and the reach advantage. So winning minutes could be difficult, but these guys are going to leg kick each other a lot. I think Munoz hits a bit harder and maybe he wins the fight on power optics. So rather than betting Munoz on the money line at plus 180, I'll probably just sprinkle his decision prop at better odds at plus 400. think given the fact that the fight is minus 200 to reach a decision, it makes it a pretty easy bet for me. All right, Gutierrez entering a, with a four-fight win streak, eight-fight unbeaten streak, but Zarillo going the other direction. Billy Ward, your favorite uh, prop on the board for the weekend. Yeah, my favorite prop for this is the live angle on the fight I'm about to talk about, but I like to assume that you know some people aren't watching live, can't get down live because of the tape delay, whatever. So I'm looking at uh, Tanner Bozer in round three or by decision at plus 250 on FanDuel. I love that feature on FanDuel where you can get either one, two, or three decision just because we can kind of cover the bases we're looking at. But Bozer is fighting Iwan Kutalaba, who is a total round one monster. He comes out, gets a ton of takedowns, gasses himself out. And if he doesn't finish you in round one or sometimes even the first half of round one, it usually goes pretty poorly for him. Bozer on the other side, pretty good cardio, especially for a bigger guy. But importantly, he's cutting down from heavyweight to 205 for this fight. Normally, I'm kind of against older fighters who drop a weight class following a losing streak just because it seems like we're trying to fix the wrong thing rather than shoring up the holes in our game. But Bozer was a pretty small heavyweight. He was coming in lighter and lighter for each of his fights, and he's looked better and better for each of his fights. He's also kind of the definition of a bad luck here. He has two straight losses by split decision. His previous loss before that was Andre Arlovsky. It was a unanimous decision, but people were really upset by that one. 
Bozer outstruck Arlovsky two to one in the fight and somehow still lost to unanimous. So this one's going to be real scary for him in the first round because Kudalov is going to get a bunch of takedowns. I think Bozer has the size now that he's dropping to light heavyweight where he'll be able to get back up and be able to at least make Kudalov work really hard for those. And I'm expecting the line after round one to be even better than the plus 250 on the round three decision. So that's my biggest interest. But if you're taking it pre-fight, you know, the over one and a half parlays or the round three indecision or even just, you know, over one round, sometimes you can get more granular than that. That's how I'm looking at it. So Bozer late. Also like his money line, I think he should probably be the favorite here. But you can get way better odds on the live or the late props. You guys have been creative so far. I mean, Zarello giving out uh, same game uh, parlay, basically, uh, which FanDuel does offer, of course, for the the main event. You're you got a live angle, so you guys are finding uh, interesting ways to get involved here based on what's offered uh, before the fights begin. Let's close out with best bets, Zarello. You're going back to something we had already discussed: Barbosa and Quarantillo. You got an angle on this? Yeah, I think the pace should be absolutely crazy in this fight, similar to the Anes font fight from last week even though it's a three-round bout these guys should absolutely go to war i don't think billy q knows any other way he comes right at opponents starts chucking strikes i think barbosa is going to hit him really hard and put him on skates in the first round not sure if he's going to finish him but i know he's going to completely take away that lead leg and look to put billy just from on skates to being a complete statue in the second and third round where he can tee off so i could see an attritional stoppage for barbosa I could also just see Billy Q knocking him out, even though I'm not super high on Billy's power. I do think I hate saying Billy because I have Billy Ward on the podcast. Today. <laughs> There's so, so many. Billy there are so many clippable. There are so many things in this podcast that can be clipped, and we can just Billy's undervalued. Billy's size. Billy's this. Oh, it's fantastic. Keep in, in addition to the fact that he's not on video, so it just looks like me and you talking Billy up I'm and giving talking him shit about Billy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know. I think, and I'm curious to hear Billy Ward's take on both this fight and the main event as well, because I think the pace and the fact that the UFC put these fights in these slots on this card, I expect both fights to be at extremely high paces. And I know there's fighters in both fights that we consider extremely durable, Max Holloway, Billy Quarantillo, but given the pace that these fights should take place at, I have a hard time envisioning both of them going the distance, let alone one of them not finishing inside the distance. So, Billy, in addition to your your best bet for this card, I just want to hear your take on the inside the distance angles for both the main event and the co-main. Yeah, I definitely love it in the co-main event. You know, you pointed out the durability concerns with Barboza and to an extent, Quarantio. I'm a little bit more hesitant in the main event. While it is five rounds, if I'm Arnold Allen, I think the best plan here is to try to slow this down as best you can, you know, use some wall install, just try to stay in close and make this a bit more boring of a fight. I don't know that that he's going to do that, but that's certainly what I would do if I was him or in his camp. He's significantly physically stronger than Max Holloway, but, you know, giving up some length in there. That's how I would play it. So I'm a little bit worried on that one, but 100% agree with you on the Quarantio fight just because, you know, we got the leg kicks angle from Barboza. Quarantio just comes out and throws bombs. I could see that one definitely ended pretty quick. Yeah, he surprised me with far, his power against oh. Mowgli. I didn't think he would knock out Gabriel Benitez. And, he, you know, that you were on that. I was on Quarantio on the money line, but I didn't expect the knockout there. So kind of upgraded his power a little bit for me. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked about both those guys being a little on the older side, but power is usually the last thing to go. So we don't have to worry about that, you know, in mid-30s with these guys. 
But uh, as far as my best bet, this is another one. I'm going to, you know, take the Sean Zarillo disclaimer here and say, this isn't really a best bet. I kind of like all these equally. I'm playing them all small because they're all plus money. But I do like the raw dog, Brandon Royval. He's plus 160 on FanDuel. I think you can see him as high as plus 170, plus 175 elsewhere. He's 4-2 and two in the UFC. Both of his losses, or his two losses are to Brandon Moreno and Pantoja, who are fighting each other for the title pretty soon. But each of those losses kind of had a weird circumstance. He hurt his shoulder against Moreno and was actually trying to pop it back in while Moreno was punching him on the ground. And the ref stopped, jumped in and stopped it with like a second left in the first round where he looked fine right after that. Once he got it back in on the stool, he looked like he could have kept fighting. So that was a tough one. And then Pantoja submitted him in the second round, but there was an eye poke like immediately before the takedown that led to the submission that the ref missed. So he could easily be 6-0 and in the UFC right now. Not that he was necessarily winning those fights, but when we talk about fighters who had some bad luck, that's about as high as it can get. I also really like his game. You know, he's a really good submission artist, not a great wrestler, but he doesn't need to get takedowns because he uses leg locks and other unorthodox subs to try to get to a dominant position. I don't like when guys, you know, sacrifice good position to get to a submission. I love when guys use submissions to improve their position, which is something Roy Val does really well. Also super durable. You know, Nikolaj's got a little bit more power here, but Roy Val's never been finished outside of those two fights where there's some weirdness going on. This is one that, again, pretty close to a coin flip in my book and we're getting as high as you know plus 160 plus 170 so that's a pretty easy half unit sprinkle for me excellent very good and billy ward's got his uh plays up as far as the luck ratings are concerned he's got the angles there on the action network website and the action network app uh, titled ufc kansas city luck ratings gentlemen Good stuff. That'll do it for our UFC Kansas City betting preview here on the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. Find, and and this is worth bringing up as we normally bring up, you know, follow these guys on the app, especially when Billy's got a live play scenario that could uh, come to fruition. You want to follow Sean Zarillo, Billy Ward in the Action Network app. You can download the app and you'll find their picks in there for free. Best of luck with all your picks this weekend, and we'll see you next time on the Action Network podcast. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.